My bad. Good morning. Hey, I'm excited to introduce to you this gentleman to my left, uh, Ryan Jorgensen. We have been asking the Lord uh, since the beginning of 2018 to provide for us a man who would serve as the associate pastor teacher here at the chapel. And here's the guy the Lord has brought to us. So we're excited for Ryan to, to join us. Yeah. The rest of his family is still back in Iowa where Ryan has been. That's his wife, Holly, their oldest, Josiah. Then Abram is their middle one, and Novea is their youngest little girl, which is heaven spelled backwards. So, uh, yeah, that's all. What I said to him was, so at some point you're going to have a teenager who is the opposite of heaven. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? He didn't even laugh. I don't, I don't think it, it was our first conversation, and he wasn't sure. It was like, who's this weirdo? So uh, Ryan's been in Iowa for the last five years planting a Bible church there, and he is now coming here to join us. As in his role, he'll be leading our adult education Sunday morning, Wednesday night, our missions program, and then he will be the primary second teacher when I am out. God has gifted Ryan greatly in teaching the Word of God and in leading, and uh, a real heart for seeing folks not only come to Christ, but then having come to Christ to become disciple makers of Christ as well. So really, really glad to have him. And this morning, um, we have Bluebell ice cream in the courtyard, and Ryan's going to be in the ice cream line. So the double win is go get a cup of ice cream and introduce yourself to Ryan. His family will be joining him in a couple weeks. He's going to fly back in a couple weeks and then drive the U-Haul truck down and move him in. So we're excited. I'm going to pray for Ryan. And then I'm going to ask Ryan, after I pray for him, to pray for our junior hires. Because we have over 100 junior hires on our retreat this weekend. This is our final session this morning. And here's my question. How many of you would say your junior high years were your thriving years spiritually? Let me see your hands. They, they were your thriving years spiritually. All right, look around, and that's why we're going to pray for them. Right there, right there. <laughs> the lack of hands is why you're going to pray. All right, why don't you stand with me? Do you mind standing up again? Yeah, good. If you do, just stay seated. It's not a problem. Let's pray. Father, thanks for the incredible privilege to be a part of your body. We believe in your headship, so we believe as we have listened to you and cried out to you that you've brought this man to be a part of our midst. And so, thank you, Lord, for all that you've built into him, for the spirit of God that dwells within him, for the gifts that you've given him. And Lord, we're asking that your hand would be upon him so that your spirit in him would bring great life and truth, new disciples, more disciples in this community and to the ends of the earth. I know that's in his heart, Lord. So the kindred spirit we share is that you would be lifted up in this community. Pray that in the coming months as he learns CFC and the people of CFC that you would knit his heart and his family's heart together here. Pray for his kids as they'll have a couple weeks of school in Iowa and then come here and start school again all over. Would you grant them grace in that transition? Holly as well, that she would come and meet many new friends. This would really be home for the Jorgensen family. Thank you for leading them here, and Lord, we are trusting you that they would bear much fruit to the praise of your glory in Jesus' name. And Father, we uh, bring before you the junior hires and uh, the leadership under Bill and all those that are helping. Lord, as we said earlier, it is a turbulent time in a person's life to be in that age group. And yet, for many of us, we can remember how we were able to go on a retreat like that when we were that age and how what you did in our lives in those years still many years later sticks and we've been changed because of that. Lord, that's our prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit upon uh, each uh, boy and girl and that they would be changed forevermore to become more like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. Grab Ryan and a cup of Bluebell afterwards. Right now, grab your Bible, if you would, if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you. Turn, please, to Mark chapter 12. And in Mark chapter 12, we're going to see Jesus encounter the second of the final four questions that were asked of him by the crowd. The first one, last week we looked at the question of authority. He said, I'll answer after you answer a question. And they refused to answer his question, and so he refused to answer their question because they weren't asking. He had answered that question. Uh, By the way, somebody actually emailed me this week and said, I took your challenge and read through the Gospel of John. Wow, did Jesus answer that question repeatedly? Was she the only one, or did anybody else actually read through the Gospel of John this week? Hey, all right. And that's a man, so I know it was the woman who emailed me. Jesus answered the question of the authority by which he did what he did. But they weren't asking, so he didn't answer it at that time. This time, we have two unlikely groups joining to place a, a bomb in Jesus' lap. It's in the, not a literal bomb. It's, it's a question that we would call a loaded question. You ever been asked a loaded question where you feel like, wow, this question is a setup. No matter how I answer, I'm going to get whacked by this question. And that's what they attempt to do here in Mark chapter 12. Verse 13 says, Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians. So two different groups who don't normally run together, but they have joined up with a common enemy, Jesus. And they try and trap him, it says. In a statement, here's how they begin. Teacher, we know that you are truthful and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, Paul's right there. What's that? Do they believe that? No, folks, the Pharisees have had all sorts of things to say to Jesus, and none of it has been anything close to this. This is not what they think. This is their attempt to, uh, this is smoozing. This is them buttering the knife so that it goes in quickly. So they don't believe this. They're just trying to butter him up. You're not partial, but teach the way of God in truth. The butter on the knife, here's the loaded question. Is it lawful to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? It's kind of funny because taxes are always a hot button question, aren't they? Because, I mean, who wants to say, yes, pay the tax? Because if you say, yes, pay the tax, what do all the people think? Boo, right? You don't ever want to say, yeah, we should pay the tax. And the Pharisees were there to hear him say, yes, pay the tax, so that they could say Jesus is in agreement with this Roman occupation and they're abusing of us. But if he says, don't pay, who's there? The Herodians, who would have been there in power and had their standing because of Herod. So if he says don't pay, then he's going against the governing authority. So if yes, he's going against the people. If no, he's going against the authorities. So they're obviously attempting to, to do what? To trap him so that there's not a good answer. But here's what he does. But knowing... He, knowing that the hypocrisy, said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. And so they brought one. Now, this is not one. This is a penny. But I like what Jesus does here. He says, You want to talk money? Let's get some in front of us right now. It reminds me, and I would encourage you to do this, When people say, hey, when the Bible says this, the first thing you should do is say, well, let's get a Bible out, actually. 
Because it's amazing what people want to talk about that the Bible says, and they only have it about 85% correct. Best thing I've ever learned is, oh, I've got a question about that. When the Bible, well, let me get one on. Let's, let's look it up and let's see exactly what it says. Don't talk about what the Bible says without the Bible in front of you. That's why we want you to bring a Bible. That's why we put it up here so we actually see what it says. So you want to talk about money? Let's get in front of us. Here's why. So the coin's in front of them, and he says, whose likeness and inscription is this? Uh, This penny, do you know? I know most of you don't deal in pennies anymore. (laughs) But this is... This is Lincoln, in case you didn't know. Lincoln's likeness. But on the Daenerys, whose inscription, whose likeness is on it? It's Caesar's. They, they go, we know, it's Caesar. And Jesus says, so render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. And now read this last sentence with me. And they were amazed at him. Are you right now? Are you amazed at him right now? Uh, Yeah, your face goes, not really. You ought to. Folks, if somebody tried to trap you on a question like this and you came up with this answer, you'd be, you'd post it. You'd be like, they tried to trap me and I gave them this. And they were like, oh, I stumped them. This is a phenomenal answer, actually. This is, they're amazed for simply, this is the second attempt to trap Jesus, and it fails again. They think, man, we couldn't get him with the authority question. If you show up and we show up, Pharisees and Herodians, we got him, hemmed him, both sides. He doesn't have anywhere to go. And he pulls out a, he goes, give me a coin. And just like that, he gets us. That's it. That's brilliant. You see, he disarms this loaded question, this trap, with what's so good about it. It's simple truth. He doesn't get all theoretical and philosophical. He doesn't quote all sorts of Old Testament scripture. He goes, you want to think about taxes? Let's just look at money. Ah, I think your question, I think your answer is right there. And they couldn't disagree. You see, he's simply saying the truth is that the inscription, Caesar's inscription, his likeness on the coin identifies rightful ownership. If Caesar's picture's on it, it's Caesar's. We have... We have a staff refrigerator here just outside the South Auditorium in the workroom. And we have a rule. It says right on the refrigerator that if the food is not marked, guess what? Anybody can eat it. When Ryan came, he started this week, and so I said, okay, that rule exists because of my boys. Back when they were teenagers, when they'd come see me, they would always go to the refrigerator here at the church and try to get something to eat. And it was genuinely true. If somebody's name wasn't on it, it was fair game. But if your name was on it, then don't eat my stuff. All they're simply saying is, hey, my face is on it. It's mine. So when Jesus says, whose inscription is on it? Caesar's. Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's. What is he really saying to the tax question? Yes or no? Yes. (laughs) Therefore, and this is key, it is God glorifying to pay your taxes. It's God glorifying. Don't miss this. I didn't say it's your civic duty. I didn't say begrudgingly pay I said, it is God glorifying because the truth of an inscription is the inscription identifies ownership. 
Paul takes this simple statement by Jesus, render unto, Jesus, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and he writes a whole paragraph in Romans 13. Let me read it for you. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, here's why, there's no authority, say it with me, except from God. That changes everything right there. The whole reason we do what we do with governance is because there is no governing authority except from God. Now watch how many times he comes back to that core assumption. And those which exist are, here he comes back, established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. You see why it's God glorifying? Because God has established it. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do you want to have no fear of authority? <laughs> then do what is good and, you'll have no, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. You want to drive down I-95 with no fear when you come around the corner and the, and the policeman is sitting there shooting radar? You want to have no fear of that so that you don't have to watch in your rear view mirror for the next 60 seconds to go, please don't pull out, please don't pull out, please don't pull out. I know you do that because my wife does that. I'm just playing. I do that. I want, and I wouldn't have to do that if what? If I just went to, well, I mean, the spirit of the law. Letter of law is 70, spirit of law is 76. If I just went to spirit of the law... I wouldn't have to fear. It's when I've broken that that I'm like, oh man, don't pull out, don't pull out. But if you do what is evil, I love it. If you do it, be afraid. If you were going 85, you should be watching the mirror. Uh, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. It is a, comes back to it, what? Did you know the Bible was so clear about God and governing authorities? An avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection. Not only because of wrath. In other words, not just because of the ticket. But also for conscience sake. What's the conscience? Established by God. Ministers of God. Authority from God. For because of this, you also... What Jesus said. You pay taxes. For rulers are... He comes back to it servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Couldn't be more clear. So, if you've been cheating on your taxes, stop it. Not because you might get caught, but because it is God-glorifying to pay your taxes. Whether you think it's right or fair or deserving, it's God glorifying. But that's as much as I have to say about paying taxes. Because the beauty of what Jesus does here, what amazes me, remember it says, and they were amazed at him. I'm not only amazed at Jesus' ability to have a loaded question dropped in his lap and diffuse it with a simple truth, which was whose inscription, because that defies ownership, so just pay it. He does not only bring biblical truth to the specific question. What amazes me even more is he takes the opportunity to do what? turn the conversation to an even greater truth. He says a simple truth, whose inscription? Other than pay. But he doesn't stop there. He, he leads this loaded question that meant to trap him, and he, he basically gives it back to him, but not just an answer, an even greater truth. Here, here's what I mean. 
When it says in verse 17, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, it could be period. Question asked, question answered. And they still would have been, I still would be, whew, man, that was sweet, Jesus. I wish I could think that fast. When we sing that song, make me more like Jesus, I wish I could take questions and just very simple truth bring clear reality to it. But there's even more like Jesus, not a period, comma. And to God, the things that are God's. He doesn't stop. He answers, and then he turns it to even greater spiritual reality. So if we want to be more like Jesus between now and November, seriously, I want to call us. Don't be unengaged to political questions. Be biblically prepared to answer simple biblical truth to immigration, to foreign policy, to same-sex marriage, to abortion, to taxes. Be prepared. But don't stop. Be ready by God's grace. Ask him for discernment, creativity, as Jesus reflected in this moment. To not put a period to that answer, but to put a comma and then take a political hot button and give a biblical answer and then give opportunity to engage in even greater spiritual gospel conversation. Wouldn't that be awesome? See, instead of, for how many of us we go, oh, this is just going to be chaos. I mean, the signs are up. It's just going to be nonstop. It's going to get ugly. And in so many ways, you know what? That's true. But what if we were more like Jesus? I mean, we said it in song. What if we were more like Jesus, who were ready to answer the questions biblically and then not just stop there? We were ready to turn the conversations spiritual, gospel. Could we do that? You may be going, I don't know, just give me some sentences. I don't think Jesus had written this one down in advance. When they say taxes, say, render to Caesar what is it? You know what I'm saying? This is a moment of called being attentive and walking in the spirit so that you are ready to be an instrument of God, not only to diffuse, but to turn to gospel. Now, that's not the point of the text. It's just, a, it's what amazes me about Jesus in this moment. It's part of what makes me genuinely want to go, Jesus, make me more like you with my neighbors, with those who want to talk political things. Don't get lost in it. Don't run from it. Engage it and turn it. That's what Jesus does. But you got to answer then. What's he saying? What's he mean? And to God, the things that are God's. Well, I don't think it's complicated. His answer rendered to Caesar the things that are Caesar's was pay the tax because what? How many times can I pull this out? Because what? Because of the likeness of Caesar on it. So what's he saying here? Well, then render to God where the likeness of God is present. So where is God's inscription? What is the likeness of God upon? Because this is the greater truth. The simple truth was the inscription of Caesar, so pay your taxes. The greater truth is there's an inscription of God upon something. And what is the inscription of God upon? You know? The inscription of God, the likeness of God is upon my body, your body. Who else's body? Every, everybody. So currently, 
The inscription of God is upon over seven billion living people. Isn't that amazing? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So male and female, he has created you in his image. His, this is the beauty of what Jesus did. His likeness is upon you as much as Lincoln's likeness is on this coin and Caesar's likeness was on that Daenerys. God's likeness is upon you. This is why evolution is so offensive to those who would uphold the truth of this in the scriptures. What makes you decidedly human, decidedly different than any animal in the animal kingdom is the likeness of God upon you. Don't ever forget it and please don't minimize it. We are not the highest animal form. God spoke animals into existence and he spoke everything else on this planet into existence, but then he took what he had spoken into existence, dirt, and he formed that, and then he breathed into that the breath of life. It's what makes you decidedly human. Don't fall for any sense that we are a evolved from an animal. God did animals this way and every animal that way. (laughs) But he created you and I, male and female, differently than any animal. He put his likeness on us. And part of the reason, or part of the expression, excuse me, of his likeness on us is what Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, that he has set eternity in our heart. There is in the human heart, because we are created like the eternal one, there is within every human heart that sense that there is more to life than as we experience it in this human body for these short amount of years. Gentleman grabbed me in the courtyard after first hour and he said, uh, my next door neighbor has expressed that, that he, has, he doesn't know Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has just said almost those exact words. I just have the sense there's more to life than this. Remember Tom Brady saying those exact words? There's just got to be more to life than this. When people say that, they don't know it, but they're acknowledging the likeness of God is upon their body. The eternal one has created them differently, decidedly different, with no offense to your favorite dog. Your dog does not have eternity set in his heart. but you do. And almost everybody, sometimes it's in the quietness where they go, more more to life than this. Sometimes it's in the busyness of just go, 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 go. More to life than this. That's a reflection of you in the likeness of God. Psalm 139 says, you were, you formed, speaking of God, you formed my inward parts. You, you wove me in my mother's womb. Think of a weaver actually intentionally weaving something together. Not random, not by accident. You did it, God. 
I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. There's not a person on this planet, whether they believe in God or not, that would argue the human body is a magnificent. They, if they didn't believe, might say, machine. It is magnificent. It's not only magnificently created, wonderfully created, part of the expression of the likeness of God upon us is that he has formed us wonderfully. No one would argue that. But also uniquely. And no one could argue that. I don't know if there's seven billion pennies on the planet. But however many millions of pennies there are on the planet, what's true about every single penny? They're what? They're exactly the same. In fact, if it's not the same, we call it counterfeit. But there's seven billion ones of these on the planet. All, uh, catch this. All wonderfully made in the likeness of God, but not a single one of the seven billion living now, the plus billion of that that have been living over all of time, and not a single one of them has ever been alike. If that doesn't make you go, wow, God, you should check your pulse. I mean, that's amazing. That's a, I remember Jackie and I thinking, this is so weird. Six kids, and they're so different. And, and now I think God's going, uh, billions, and they're all different. Okay, maybe my six is not that big a deal. Billions and not one alike. <laughs> the wonderfulness of how we're made is partly in the uniqueness of how his likeness and eternity is set in your heart, but every single person different. Now, Jesus was driving at something, though. He said, the inscription of Caesar, therefore, pay your taxes. The inscription of God is upon you, 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 you. Inscription of God's upon you, you. Everybody in here, over north, everybody in Jacksonville, everybody. The inscription of God is upon us. What's the therefore? Therefore, you were made for a relationship with, for him and with him. He made you in his likeness. He put, he put eternity in your heart so that you might live in relationship with him. He created Adam and Eve that they might live in relationship with him. He created you that you might live in relationship with him. Some of you probably know the name Don Richardson. Don Richardson, his son Steve was here a few years ago because back in the 50s, he became, he was a Christ follower, became aware of the Sawi people on the other side of the globe who had no knowledge of God, no understanding of the gospel, and he wanted to take the gospel to them. But before he took the gospel to them, he thought it would be good if we became friends with them first. You know why? Because they were headhunters, cannibals. So if you're going to meet a cannibal, you'd like to meet him as your friend, not the enemy, right? 
So the way they became friends with him is before they went in to actually meet the people face to face, they got in an airplane and they literally flew over the tribe time and time again and dropped them gifts while they hung out of the windows of the airplane so as to associate themselves with gifts. That's how you become friends. You buy your friends. (laughs) So after doing that enough times, they met them. One of the things they had given them as gift with matches. Now, if I gave you a box of matches for Christmas, you wouldn't be that excited. But if your whole world required fire to have food cooked or light, imagine the gift of matches. Imagine not having to go wherever you wanted to eat to carry your fire with you or wherever you wanted to have light that you had to carry your fire with you. That's what they did. So they're like, technological advancement matches. So they gave them to them. But when they got there in their dugout canoe, dad, Don, his wife, and their little boy, they were still carrying their fire around. They had the matches, but nobody was lighting them. This is as far as they had gotten. Which is kind of cool. <laughs> Except they were like, we have other musical instruments. And so they had them, but They weren't using them. Now understand this. Because God's inscription is upon you. Because you were made in his likeness. You were made for relationship with him. That is your purpose. And when you live life not in relationship with God, this is what you do. Some of you used to do this. Some of you are currently doing it. Taking a life given to you to be in relationship with God, but you've turned this life into, let me collect as many possessions as I can. Let me just be as popular as I can. Let me just have as much pleasure as I can. But every person who tries to live life for this reason gets that moment where they go, there's got to be more to life than this. Have you reached that? Where you have recognized, I was created for relationship with God. And so I repent. I change my mind about finding life in stuff and in pleasure. Find my life in popularity or fame. I'm going to find my life in Jesus. I'm going to recognize his inscription is upon me. And the way to life is believing in him. This, this is what life has been created for. Have you trusted in Jesus? Are you still don't be offended by this, but wasting your life? Is that uh, Doing this with your life, it's wasting your life. You were created for a relationship with God. And you begin relationship with God by admitting, Jesus, only you can give me life. And I believe in you. I'm going to render unto God what is God's. Have you done that? I think... 
Jesus wanted them to know, pay your taxes, but know something even greater while you pay your taxes. You were made for God. And because you were made for God and because his inscription is upon you, only God, not you, only God can have rightful ownership of your body. Only God can have rightful ownership of your body. So when you began a relationship with God, you only get so many years on the planet. Why are you here? Because you're the light of the world. So that people see your good works and glorify your Father and what would happen? What would happen? you would multiply your life. You would live a life in such a way that others would come into relationship with God. Is that a picture of you? Are you just one little flame? See, if we've become one little flame in relationship with God, but not multiplying our lives, then I have a sneaking suspicion you have reclaimed what belongs to God. But they all burn out. That's right. Because what happens to all of us? We all die. In the time that we have life, why do we have it? To be in relationship with God, to be people who live in such a way that other people enter into relationship with God. And you got to ask yourself, is anybody glorifying God because of the life you live? Anybody who was once far from God but now is walking with God because of the life that you live? Listen, if not, let me say to you what Jesus said to them. Render unto God what is God's. Your body. So that you who are in relationship with God would go to work tomorrow to multiply. That you'd go home this afternoon to multiply. That you'd live in your neighborhood to multiply. You don't have forever. These are not candles that burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. Our lives are like matches. They burn and then they, and then we're done. And in that process between when we enter into relationship with God and we die, we're here to multiply. Render unto God what is God, this body. So I want to invite Matt and Shirley to come up. They're going to sing a song. We're not going to at first sing them with We're not going to sing with them because I want us to respond to God in one of two ways. So please stay with me right now. I want you to respond to God in one of two ways. If you've been doing this with your life, I want to invite you as they sing that you would say, God, thank you for bringing me here this morning. To hear that life is in your name. I trust in you. 
admit that I'm a sinner, please forgive me. I may begin life in Jesus. I want to give you that. If, if you are here with life in Jesus, do you have regret? As you look back over the last five years, I don't know that anybody is walking with Jesus because I walk with Jesus. Then render unto God what's his. Tell him this morning, Lord, I've robbed you of this body. I've been doing my own deal. I want to be a multiplier. I want my life to be a light in such a way that people see it that they would glorify you as well. They'd enter into a relationship with you. I render unto you what is you. One of two responses to the Lord as they sing, would you talk to God? favor if 
you for the first time this morning said, I do recognize I've been living life for not its intended purpose. And you have trusted in Jesus this morning, whether you're here in South or even over in North. I wonder if you would be willing to just come up afterwards and say, I trusted in Jesus. Because uh, that would be an important first step. Don't keep it to yourself. If you're going, ah, I can't go up there, email me. Doug R., CFC Jacks. Seriously, you begin a relationship. I want to help you begin to grow in that relationship. If you're in relationship and, and you're going, wow, I, I've not multiplied much. I just want to encourage you. The Lord wants to use you. Friend, one of our elders emailed me or texted me on Thursday. All of us as elders, guys, had an opportunity to share the gospel with this week with a man who's doing some work at our house. That ever occur to you? Somebody comes to work on your house and you take an opportunity for a greater conversation? I see him on a somewhat of a regular basis and have begun developing a relationship. His words indicate that he knows there's a God, but he's confused about who Christ is and why he came. He listened to the gospel and why he didn't have an immediate response. He agreed to have another conversation. and also gave him an invite to Alpha. Maybe that's an opportunity for you. See, we multiply, remember, by being a blessing. We begin with prayer. We listen to people, we eat with them, we serve them, we share our story and his story. And Alpha's a, an opportunity for them to, to, again, talk about spiritual things. Maybe you haven't trusted Jesus because you've got more questions. Then I invite you to, to share an Alpha, to come and have an opportunity to eat a meal and ask any question you have. Folks, we were made for relationship with God. And when we are in relationship with God, we're made to multiply. Let's stop, 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 stop wasting our lives. Live in a manner that glorifies God. Thanks for being here. I pray you'll go and live for your intended purpose. God bless.